was uh, kind of an impromptu moving part. Uh, we used to call it, uh, try to call these things beers in the back, but we figured it might be a little bit easier to do it up here in the conference room because we we're going to throw a slide up and talk to it. But we thought today's topic might be really uh, pertinent with last, I guess, last Thursday's uh, press release from the EPA of the proposed biofuel mandates for 2023 and beyond. And uh, has certainly caused a stir in the markets, especially the vegetal markets, really primarily the vegetal markets. So we, we thought we'd just have a real informal back and forth here with uh, uh, Nate and I to kind of give you a little bit of insights into what it means, what we found out, um, where the risk is going down the road here as the, the EPA moves from a proposal to final on this thing. So what you are looking at on the screen right now is actually table one uh, out of the EPA proposal. Looks like a lot of numbers and boxes, um, but let me show you what's important and why the market is all riled up about it. And it's primarily on this advanced biofuel, biomass-based diesel line. Biomass-based diesel, <clears throat> what that means to you is biodiesel and renewable diesel. That's the stuff that you guys in the vegetable business care about because that's the people that are competing with you to buy feedstock, okay? Or in some cases, uh, if you're on that side of the fence, but that's 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 what's affecting the vegetable markets right now. Um, the problem is, and the reason that the market has 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 reacted to this in a very bearish sense is right here on this biomass numbers. Now you might say, well, what are they worried about? The numbers actually go up as we go through time. By the way, if we compare this number to 2023, I think it's 2.63 billion gallons. By the way, these are all in billion gallons. So even it looks like a small number, there's a whole raft of zeros off behind there. So you might say, well, why is it such a big deal? Because it is still going up. Well, the reason is, is because the market was expecting a much larger build in biodiesel. And number two, because of that, we have got renewable diesel plants, as most of you know, uh, coming online here, quite a few of them. I think we have, somebody said 2 billion gallons coming online here in the next eight or nine months. I didn't actually add that up to verify it. But uh, long story short, if you look at at the renewable diesel plants that are scheduled to come online over the course of the next 18 or 24 uh, months, it is positively enormous. And this will not do it. This is not nearly enough. So what happened and why did the EPA do this? Well, that seems to be the $64 million question. As you know, the uh, Biden administration EPA is um, nothing if not green. Uh, they are not turning away from being green, but what appears happen, what appears to have happened is that the electric car guys might, might have kind of stole their thunder just a little bit. Look up here on the cellulosic biofuel line. Now, cellulosic biofuel, or remember the days of uh, the George W. Bush uh, State of the Union addresses where we we're going to solve a lot of our energy problems by being able to convert corn cobs and switchgrass into motor fuel for over-the-road vehicles. <clears throat> Technology really never panned out on that. And so even though we had uh, all these great ideas of how much of that we were gonna use to make fuel, it never really panned out. So how in the world are you gonna get this to over 2 billion gallons in 2025? 
The answer to that question is the, the, the point of the problem that we're talking about here today. What the EPA did is they decided that they were going to give RINs away for producing electric vehicles. For reasons that are unclear to me and everyone else at this point, they decided to stick that in the cellulosic biofuel line. Has nothing to do with cellulosic biofuel, but the point of the matter is that instead of having all this capacity that we were going to need to make renewable diesel and traditional biodiesel to satisfy the advanced biofuel requirements, we are going to, now it appears, at least what the EPA is signaling, is that shift is going to move to electric. Now, is that what the Bio Biden administration EPA intended to signal? I'm not completely sure. I'm not aware of their motivations. In fact, Wednesday afternoon of last week, th these numbers all came out officially Thursday. Wednesday afternoon of last week, this renewable fuel line was leaked in a Bloomberg article. And when you look at the large increases year over year, by the way, the 2022 year was 20.63 billion gallons. When you look at those increases, when we saw the top line numbers, it was about what we were expecting to see. The bearish little surprise that came out Thursday was that most of that increase, a large share of that increase had found its way through here, uh, basically to electric vehicles. So that's what this is all about. And I think, I think when you look at this and you try to figure out what does this mean to me, um, it's pretty obvious why the market's down. Uh, we just showed you that. I think when you look at this though, you need to kind of break it apart between, is it bearish the board? Well, clearly it's bearish the board. Is the board going to keep going down? Well, that's certainly been the direction, so I'm not going to tell you it's going to stop tomorrow. But I think the reason that the board has dropped quite a bit uh, is simply because there was plenty of people in the industry and the renewable fuel space that I think were betting on extremely large increases. Um, heard from people in that space that had been to Washington, D.C., uh, thought the uh, lobbying efforts had gone quite well and were expecting a much larger increase uh, than really what came down the pipe. So um, probably some but, speculation on that point. Yeah. But don't you think, though, that another reason why the board is down so much is just because we had priced in so much of that expectation, like you were saying, the belief was that they had a lot bigger number out of Washington. I mean, that and then also you, I mean, we, we haven't talked about it yet, but the whole canola pathway thing. I mean, both board and basis, it felt like we were pricing in this uh, holy crap, there's this big uh, uh, increase coming. And then all of a sudden on Thursday afternoon, when we realized the detail here, it was like, well, okay, we got an increase, but it's not like, it's not where we thought it would be. And, you know, and then it was kind of, you know, clear out the room on the future side. I mean, everybody, you know, um, and more and more specifically the spreads. I mean, what, when you're seeing what the spreads are doing, I mean, don't you think that that a lot of a lot of the reaction to the spreads, at least to me anyway, looks like it was just a lot of a lot of the spec carrying the front end of this, doesn't it? I, I think that's I think that's a great observation. I think that um, you know the spreads have collapsed, which typically when you see the spreads do what the spreads were doing, it tells you we have a nearby supply tightness when the spreads were. We're going out, it seemed like, every day. Um, the fact that the spreads have collapsed with this announcement that I would argue does not affect and will not affect the trajectory of this industry for at least the next six to nine months, why would the spreads be affected? 
And I think it's probably what you just said. I think it's just that we had so much spec money blown into this thing that was supporting the front end of this market. That's why we've seen, you know, certainly the December futures, uh, but also the January futures. Um, you know, the, the, the more nearby futures month have dropped much more precipitously um, than, than the back end of this market. You know, I think, eight, eight, Nate, you've been watching the delivery mechanism pretty quick, but uh, right in the middle of all this smoke, ADM delivered quite a bit of, uh, what, yeah. 650 contracts of yeah, soybean oil? Some, yeah, something like that, yeah. And yeah, that, was kind of right, that was kind of right on the eve of this announcement. <laughs> and I, I think that kind of got the market started a little bit. I mean, you think about it, we've gone how many months in a row now where if you're standing there long, you know, you're not going to get delivered on really. And now all of a sudden ADM walks in and says, here, here's a, here's 650 contracts to chew on. Um, yeah. I've had several people kind of a little bit, a, a little bit angry asking if ADM kind of had a pre-look at this. Uh, it's a great conspiracy theory. I really seriously doubt it. There were some other things going on in the market. We have heard that there's some big renewable diesel plants that are actually down for maintenance right now. Uh, and that's probably what prompted it. It's probably nothing that was uh, insidious or somebody got a look before the rest of us did. It probably yeah. just, uh, but I guess I could see uh, how it appeared that way. But so I think the really bearish part of this, if it sticks, and I'll get to the if it sticks here in a second. Uh, but I think the really bearish part of this is is honestly probably further out on the curve. You know, we talked about we're probably washing some speculative bets out of this market right now. Um, remember, just the uh, not only did a lot of people in the renewable fuel space and the feedstock space probably have some bullish bets here based on what they thought were going to happen. But the honest to God spec that the CFTC reports every Friday on positions in the cons uh, commitment of traders reports. Uh, the, 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 the real old fashioned spec was already long. What well, they were long, almost 20% of open interest, weren't they, Nate? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we, we probably just had this market really set up wrong. Not that this report isn't bearish at all. It quite very much is, but. Oh, so one of the questions that's been asked by a few people, uh, you know, Thursday afternoon and Friday, and then again this morning is, okay, that's fine. Uh, EPA didn't give us a big number, but. California still has this big sucking sound with their LCFS program. Um, so does it really matter? Um, now I'm kind of throwing it out there kind of as a rhetorical question, but kind of get your take on it. I mean, I know my thoughts on it, but I, that's been one that, you know, everybody, because a lot of this RD production was, was being added to supply that California market. So really, how does this, how does this impact? You know, I think that's a that, that's a great question. I, I was talking to somebody that I, I, I know real well uh, in the renewable fuel space. And when I asked him that question Friday, and I think he's probably right, the California program is is huge, but it is not anywhere near as large as the federal program. The, the total of all the state programs for renewable fuel don't add up to the size of the federal program. Therefore, what I think the answer to that question is, is as the California can program continues to roll on, and by the way, the California uh, uh, CARB, uh, California Air Resources Board, uh, sounds like they are very likely to move the goalposts, in other words, make their targets even larger. <clears throat> um, it probably means that as California uses more renewable fuel, the rest of us don't have to, if you will. Um, and what uh, this gentleman, this friend of mine's comment was that he said he thinks relatively quickly here uh, b because of that. 
again, if this holds more on that in just a second, uh, that the uh, the Midwest traditional biodiesel production will probably fall relatively quickly to that level to satisfy the state mandates. Like your state up there, uh, Nate, Minnesota has a, what is it, a B10 mandate in the winter and then a B20 mandate the rest yeah. of the year? Yeah. Yeah. And so there's still going to be a demand for biofuel, probably traditionally produced biodiesel here in the Midwest because that Minnesota mandate, uh, for example, can't be satisfied with renewable diesel. So we'll probably still see that amount produced here, uh, but the need to produce traditional biodiesel here in the Midwest and ship it to California for the CARB program probably gets lessened quite a bit, again, if this holds. So let me take on the if this holds thing. Um, a lot of people have suggested that this is a proposal, of course, that's not a suggestion. This is a proposal from the EPA. They have promised to deliver the final rule for the 2023, 24, and 25 mandates uh, by June of next year. And there's been it's been suggested by a lot of people that this simply won't stand and that it will be rectified. This, this grave injustice, if you will, will be rectified with a significant change in direction. Remember, the EPA has been signaling more and more and more when it comes to renewable fuel. Uh, for years now, and this would appear on the surface to be a, a huge change in direction. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't want to comment on the uh, EPA's intent, um, but I, I'm not completely sure that that's necessarily what they intended. So I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see uh, what is the probability of them dramatically increasing this biomass-based diesel line. That, that is hard question to answer. That is almost like arguing about the outcome of a, future, a football game that's going to happen this upcoming weekend. Um, it's a great, uh, maybe entertaining discussion, maybe not, um, but probably is not going to bear a lot of fruit. I think uh, we can look at history, uh, if that can be our guide, as it often can. I'm not sure it is this time. History would tell you that they won't change these very much. Uh, the EPA does not really have um, rarely, actually, I don't know of any time that I can recall them changing, significantly changing the final rule after they have already given us the proposed rule. Now, I've had many people in the space tell us that the quote, this time it's different, end quote. What is the, what is that, uh, the quote, Nate? Uh, the four most expensive words. words. <laughs> yeah, the four most expensive words in the English language are, quote, this time it's different, uh, end quote. But you know, maybe this time it is different because this is a massive change. There have been tens of billions of dollars, probably well in excess of $100 billion has been invested by the private sector to produce more renewable fuels because that is what the EPA has been telling us for years that they want. Um, and I'll be honest with you, the renewable fuels sector, the renewable fuels industry feels horribly betrayed by this set of numbers. And I suspect that the lobbying is intense. And I don't know how it is up there in Minnesota, Nate, but uh, have you ever, is there any precedent that you're aware of uh, for politicians caving under intense political pressure? Oh, never. But yeah, I but didn't I think that say, was. But I would say, I, and this is just play devil's advocate, and again, not to get political on this, but when you look <clears> at the motivation and the move, not just in California, but, but across the US in the last, what, two years as far as, you know, electric vehicles, uh, you know, carbon free, and the, the, the move to remove carbon fuel from the fuel stream completely. I mean, even though biofuels are a, 
are a renewable fuel, it's still a carbon-based fuel, right? And so this, <laughs> and, and what better way to, to motivate the consumer than to throw a mandate out there and say, look, we're going to, you have to generate these RINs through electric vehicles. I mean, I, I agree with you. There's been a, a, a ton of money spent, not just on the renewable diesel side, but also on the, on the soy crush side and, and canola crush side. Projects that have been announced, projects that are underway, uh, a couple of them, or one of them is getting getting close to completion here. Um, you know, that doesn't come, uh, I guess it's it's private money, so it's different than government, government money. It actually is somebody's money that they are investing in this. So um, that's the part of this that I think, you know, is going to have some some blowback to Washington a little bit as these, these, these private companies saying, look, yep. we invested a ton of money uh, betting on this, uh, on the direction that you were telling us we wanted to go. But you said, Dave, for as long as I've known you, one of the most dangerous things about biofuels is it's a government program. And it doesn't matter how big margins are, you've always said, look, you, you know, you got to be a little bit careful betting on anything that is surrounded by a government program because it can change just like that. And maybe that's what we're witnessing here. Maybe this, maybe the direction of this thing is shifting a little bit. Um, I, it, uh, it would be painful for the industry if it does, but you know, you, you've said that for years. I mean, look at the last, you know, the big surge we had, what was it? Oh, six. And, and, uh, we had this, all these biodiesel plants getting built and, yep. and, and that wasn't really a shift necessarily in government policy as it was more. So just people getting out over the skis a little bit and overbuilding that industry. But, um, you know, this government policy, when that's the, when that's the catalyst for what's driving this margin. Um, you're not standing on real, uh, on real sure footing. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, is this is this an intended change um, uh, of direction by the EPA? Possibly. Uh, certainly, to your point, the the electric car motivation is is there and remains there. Uh, I think, and I don't think anybody was surprised. The EPA signaled that they were thinking about incorporating into this proposal. Um, E-RINs, if you will, the electric uh, RINs for producing electric cars. Um, the thing that's a surprise is everybody kind of thought they'd get their own carve out. You know, in other words, that'll kind of be an add-on to the total. And what the EPA said is, no, it's not necessarily an add-on to the total. Although I would argue that this re total renewable fuel line uh, is increasing at a pretty large rate. It's just that the it, most of it ends up being in this electric section, which is oh. labeled cellulosic. But so. Okay, so another we talked about this on Friday a little bit with Bill, but where is we we've heard about uh, Congress passing uh, legislation to allow E15 year round. That's a 15% blend of ethanol. Uh, today it's E10. Um, where did, how does that impact all this? You know, another great question. Um, Oddly enough, if if you believe that that biomass based diesel line is going to remain there in the final. Um, all of a sudden, you were, if you were an energy company, an obligated party, you would now be against ethanol. You would be against the E15, which sounds odd, but here's the rationale for why. The ethanol mandates that they gave us in this um, are actually above the blend wall, even by the EPA's own admission. Um, any ethanol that we are required to use that we can't use because you really can't cram any more down the consumer's throat, that's this blend wall that we talk about. You have to make up for it by making more of what's in this advanced biofuel category, which the biomass-based diesel is. 
So you actually have potentially more demand for that biomass. Th those numbers you're looking at on this table here are a minimum. They're not a maximum, okay? You can overproduce that. Um, the problem is, is you can't make more biodiesel to make up for your now your obligation in this electric category, the cellul what's crammed into the cellulosic, but that's really electric. Um, but you can make more biodiesel to make up for any shortfalls you would have in the ethanol category. And so um, it certainly demotivates uh, um, that. Uh, I, I think it certainly removes some of the motivation for E15, at least from the energy companies wanting to blend it. But um, it will be certainly interesting to see. <coughs> It'll certainly be interesting to see where this goes over the course of the next six months. You know, we're talking about the EPA's motivation. Um, did the EPA uh, listen to uh, uh, and take the advice of some of the lobbying they were getting from the food sector? Uh, that hey, these these lower mandate, these higher mandates, ever higher mandates, uh, are causing higher food prices and higher food inflation. I'd like to think so, but probably not. To be honest, um, I think six or eight months ago, when um, food inflation was raging, food inflation, if you remember six or eight months ago, it was food inflation that was leading the overall inflation rate higher, higher. Uh, while overall inflation is moderating a little bit, a wee little bit, um, the food inflation side has already moderated a decent amount. I think, what was the UN food price index, Nate, fell for the eighth consecutive months. And yeah. when you look at veg oil's portion of that, it is a fraction of 1%. And so it's not that the EPA necessarily wasn't listening to the food companies, but I think the EPA understands that, yes, we know vegetable oil prices are twice their historic norm, but in the broader scheme of things, that's not really a big component to inflation just because it's such a small part of the, the total. It, it might make your ranch dressing more expensive, but uh, everything else you're buying is, it doesn't have oil in it. it yeah, it's, um, it's just probably not as big a thing. So, so one other question that somebody asked me this morning, and I I guess I, in my mind, I kind of know the answer to it, but I'd be curious to see what you have to say. So you can use a biodiesel RIN, correct? Yep. To go against your ethanol obligation. Can you use a cellulosic RIN to go against your biodiesel obligation? How are those nested? Like as far as which which ones can you use for which? Yeah, this is. I want to. I'm going to try to answer your question as thoroughly as possible and stay out of the detail ditch to the degree I can, which I'm not sure is possible. But the the way these things work is that the EPA kind of has these different categories of biofuel that what they would use the term they nest. So in other words, I can go this direction, but I can't go this direction. If that makes any sense, yep. I can make more cellulosic biofuel to satisfy part of my biomass-based biodiesel. Um, actually, I think these are, these are actually minimums for biomass-based. But then when it all rolls up here to the advanced category, um, I, can, I, can, I can use, I can make more biodiesel mass bio, uh, biofuel to make up uh, not only my advanced biofuel total, but also my ethanol total. In other words, I can use less ethanol and make more biodiesel, but not the other way around. I can use more E-RINs, electric RINs that are in that cellulosic category to satisfy my total advanced biofuel category mandates, but not the other way around. I can't right. make more biodiesel to satisfy this new carve out line in the so cellulosic words, biofuel section. So in other words,
towards uh, the E-RIN, which is the and buried in that cellulosic, that's a, the electric vehicle RIN. That one has to get filled with the electric vehicle yep. part of it. Yep. You can't use anything else to satisfy that. Right. Um, that has to come from there. And then if they, if they overshoot the runway on that one, if they, if they generate more of those, that can get dumped into the categories that are above it. Yeah, yeah. For example, if you add up the cellulosic biofuel line and the biomass baseline here, you'll notice that that's significantly smaller than the advanced biofuel category. That's your ethanol. No, that's actually that that is actually your th this mystical what uh, everybody terms the undifferentiated category. Oh, that's, in other yeah, words, that's... in other words, it's whatever you need it to be, right? In other words, it can be more cellulosic or more biomass based. The, the, the distinction here is I can't make more, more biodiesel to satisfy my, my cellulosic category or my electric category yeah, those mandates. Are those are minimums, and they go this direction. More of this to, to fill these buckets, but not the other way around. And anything can be used to satisfy my ethanol mandate. Theoretically, we could use no ethanol and satisfy all of that by yeah. making more biodiesel and more electric cars. Now, that's not going to happen. There just isn't enough of it. but. That's kind of the idea. That's well, the way that works. I think it's clear that at this stage of the game, so we're what we're we're not counting the weekend. We're two or three days removed from being this announcement. Um, you know, we we saw the initial number, like you said, and was like, oh, that's a pretty decent uh, increase in in uh, volume. And then when we got the detail, it's like, okay, uh, there's more to it. But um, so now what? I mean, so if you're a, if you're a food company, if you're a you know commodity person and you're looking at this and you're saying okay now what does this mean for me i mean i, I so i think what you said was is that this is more of a not necessarily going to have a huge impact in the next three to six months uh, because it's kind of business as usual for the first half of the year maybe it has a bit more long-term impact the bigger impact near nearby here is maybe some of the spec liquidation in the commodity markets um yeah the need for drama yep, yep. <laughs> i think uh you know i've had several people uh, look at this and use the phrase catastrophically bearish. Um, I, I don't I don't know that I'm ready to go there yet. I think you do have to break the different elements of risk apart. I think when you look at just the, the, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the board component that we talk about, um, we talked about that. I think that we got a we got a liquidation of the the the, uh, the the reality did not match expectations. And so we're we're collapsing some of that spec money out of the marketplace. Um, so where do we go? I get asked all the time, where do we go from here? Uh, I'd rather try to predict the weather than try to predict government policy. But my best guess at this point would be that um, certainly this market is dropping pretty quickly. Another big drop today. Uh, I'm not going to begin uh, to pretend to be smart enough to tell you that that's going to stop tomorrow. Um, we're probably going to continue the trend that we've been on. But I think more broadly than that, I don't necessarily see a reason for this market to leave the range we've been in for the better part of the last two years. And that is we've had a market that kind of seems to find some support here, kind of down in the bottom half of the 60s. If you're out on the forward price curve a little bit, maybe the top half of the 50s. Uh, we've also had a market for the last two years um, that has kind of run out of upward momentum, kind of in the upper 70s and before we get to 80 cents. Um, and I think that that's probably going to continue too. Now, have we knocked the top part of that range down a little bit? Uh, maybe. Uh, if this holds when we get the final in June, I think that that's a distinct possibility. But 
Um, I, I think you've probably seen the majority of the reaction you're going to see on the board already. Again, could we trend a little bit lower? Sure. But, you know, we've taken, what, nine or 10 cents out of this thing in the last three trading sessions on the front end. Uh, my belief is there's not another nine or 10 cents in this. Famous last words, right? We'll be 38 cents in a week and a half, and I'll be eating crow. I don't yeah, think anybody recording. would remember, though. Everybody would be very recorded, happy with so that. Yeah, it is recorded. Through, but, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing, too, anybody that's been following along on our weekly calls knows is we've been saying now for for uh, quite a few weeks that, that one of the issues we're facing is that not just U.S., but North American oils, so we're going to throw canola oil in that bucket, are so overpriced compared to the rest of the world. I mean, it's compared to Argentine soybean oil, compared to European rape, rapeseed oil, compared to uh, palm oil. I mean, U.S. oils or North American oils are just extremely high priced or have been because yep. of this whole biofuels thing. So this may shift that a little bit. I mean, they always say that the best cure for high prices is high prices. I mean, we were set up in a scenario where we weren't going to export hardly any soybean oil. And the movement of uh, super degum canola off the west coast of Canada going to Asia was going to be dramatically lower than what it was a year ago just because we're so high priced. So maybe this gives us a chance to kind of get things back a little bit more and in a in a range that, that that puts the U.S. in a in a position where they they can at least play in that in that market a little bit, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, I guess this is why what we do is so much fun, right? Because there's never a there's never a dull moment. As soon as we think we kind of have things figured out, we come into work and find out we were completely wrong, and uh, we got to kind of re rack the balls. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. That that is that is an excellent point. And we we have been calling out for quite a quite a ways here on our weekly calls just how expensive the North American vegetable oil market, especially the refined North American vegetable oil market, is compared to really any other oil anywhere else on the planet. And uh, believe it or not, even with this big downdraft, we still haven't fixed that, but we've taken a bit of a bite out of it. So yeah, that is that is a good call out too. So. Yeah. Uh, anything else you can think of here, Nate, on this topic that we ought to cover today? Or no, I think I mean that kind of covers the the uh, the high points. I mean, those have been kind of a lot of the questions that people have been asking. Um, obviously, we live in a society where we want uh, immediate gratification and immediate results, and so now you know we got this this uh, number from the EPA, and it's like, okay, now what? Well, I think, like you said, a lot of the okay, now what is more long term. In other words, do do all these renewable diesel plants that were slated to come online this year, next year, do do all of them get uh, built? Do all of them come up? I don't know. Uh, does all this soy and canola crush that was announced, does all of it get built? I have no idea. I mean, obviously, the, those that are under construction are, you know, they're going to get completed. But those are all questions that I don't think we'll know the answers to until probably what out into this summer after we get the final numbers and kind of see the direction that the that the administration and the EPA are going on this. Um, yeah, I think I think if we get the June final numbers and they look very similar to what you see on this grid up here, uh, I think that does call into question uh, the, the the actual uh, ability of some of those projects that are slated for late 2024 out into 2025 and God forbid beyond. I think it does bring into question the viability of those projects. Certainly. Um, that that's a, that's another very good call out. Yeah. I, I, I would, um, that would be a little bit of a, uh, tell you what, if I had money invested in that, that would be a little bit nerve wracking right now. A yeah. renewable diesel plant that's scheduled to come online in the last half of 2025, I would think right now today, based on these numbers, would be in a good bit of jeopardy. But this is the same so, thing we saw happen back in 2000. 
2006, right? We saw all this capacity get announced for the old tradition of biodiesel, all these plants that were going to get built. And then we got out on the curve and found out that there was way more production than what there was going to be demand based on the federal mandate. And plants just didn't get built. So, um, yep. But, yeah, very good point. So, anyway, well, that's, that's what I think that's we've got, got today, folks. Um, as always, uh, this thing will continue to evolve. We would uh, welcome any questions. Shoot us an email, pick up the phone, and give us a call. We'd love to, love to hear from you. Have a good one, and as always, be careful out there.